Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. So admittedly, we don't talk much women's basketball here, at least show-wise, whether it be my show or what we do here at WB Sports Now. We certainly do cover the WB women's program, but not as much on shows. However, I do think the women's program is absolutely deserving of a show right now for what's been going on and now kind of in another new era of the West Virginia women's program as Mark Kellogg now, the seventh head coach in the history of the Mountaineers on the women's side. And Don Plitzewhite now gone and now in Minnesota after just one year. I've covered it pretty extensively. I got some reporting from what went on and talked to some sources about what went on. And it was kind of ugly for a while, but it looks like now West Virginia is able to feel like the future can be bright. So I think the women's program deserves a show to cover it all and cover where the program is right now. And I also will say, and I can admit, uh, despite my career, by the way, professionally starting off covering women's basketball and being on the call for multiple NCAA tournaments, that if there's somebody out there that's reporting more heavily on the women's game, I got to bring him on to have this conversation. So that is Mitchell Northam, who is an extensive writer all through the media circuit, but certainly covers women's basketball. He does it for For the Win, the AP, and throughout our Sports Now family of networks, amongst many other places. We've had him on before. It's been a while, but there he is. And by the way, got to compliment him on the hat. And if you're watching on the video, the biggie print behind him there. And I can add, of course, this is available on video at WB Sports Now's YouTube channel, my YouTube channel, and of course, also audio. You'll miss out on Biggie, by the way, but also audio throughout <laughs> our podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, etc. Everywhere you can listen. But Mitch, uh, happy to have you. It'd be holiday weekend, kind of. And again, that, that Biggie print's fantastic. Yeah, thanks for having me. And yeah, happy to showcase the uh, Biggie print and my uh, West Virginia Black Bears hat. Uh, right. <laughs> I trip to Morgantown a few years back. Um, but yeah, happy to talk some hoops with you. Absolutely. Do you put that on just for this for this program for the for the yeah, viewers yeah. out there? Okay. I'm on the West Virginia show, so yeah, 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 yeah. You're 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 playing to the audience. We definitely appreciate it here. That's right. So I kind of, I mean, this kind of can be, you know, we could go many different places here, but I'm going to try to go through this in a line of of a chain of events mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's been several weeks to to get us here. And again, I do feel like the West Virginia program is sitting pretty comfortably right now. And it could have went a whole different direction when you lose a coach after one year, regardless of how that one year was. So Don Plitzwhite's now in Minnesota. She leaves West Virginia after one year. She says it's about geography, wants to be closer to home. Some family things did go on. She left San Diego State, or, or I'm sorry, South Dakota State after one year, came to West Virginia, had that sweet 16 run. West Virginia gets in the tournament. They get an at-large bid, wins 19 games there despite – an early exit in the Big 12 tournament. And I know Ren Baker said he wanted to try to keep her. He tried to convince her to stay. I don't know if there was more money offered, but it certainly sounds that way. But geography pulled her there. Now, we later learned, because that news trickled out even by you, hours after West Virginia's first-round loss to Arizona in the NCAA tournament. And that always gives you a, a murky feeling. And we'll get to how that all unfolded and what I heard from sources uh, in a moment. But we later learned from Ren Baker that the WVU program was aware that Minnesota had interest prior to the Big 12 tournament, and they weren't in that tournament very long, obviously. She then kind of admitted that, but then basically acted like she just said, well, there, you know, we didn't have any more communication. They were done. I wanted to coach my team. Or as Ren kind of alluded to the fact that he thought there might have been some, So I don't know how much Minnesota was involved in talking to her, but then you get the news that this is happening. They're interested only a few hours after the game. She says she decided the next morning after going home, talking with her family, 
what I've heard is that it was pretty much was already done. And of course, I also heard she didn't ride with the team and all, which was different than the original plan. So we may never know the real truth here. Uh, and maybe it's just not relevant now. And everyone's trying to, you know, cover themselves and also probably not make the other one look bad in how they're handling this. Mm -hmm. But when did you first hear that Minnesota was interested in Don Plitz White? that there was interest in, from the Minnesota side. And then when did you hear that that was some serious interest and you were able to comfortably predict basically that this was going to happen regardless of when she's actually telling West Virginia? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> so Minnesota was kind of a high-profile opening. It was one of the first, maybe the second Power 5 job to open, I think, this cycle. Um, okay. You know, TCU fired their head coach. Um before the regular season ended, I think. And then Minnesota and I think Pitt opened kind of right around the same time because those were two teams that, you know, right. exited their conference tournaments and then, you know, announced sort of a change in head coaching. And Minnesota's was so high, high profile because Lindsey Whalen was their head coach. And, you know, she's a, you know, a Minnesota legend and a WNBA legend and basically was kind of, you know, it wasn't going well there and she resigned. Um, I think that was sort of a thing where it was kind of like, you know, you – you either have to resign or if this doesn't go well next year, we're going to have to fire you. Probably, I think it was kind of one one of those type of things. I don't have any inside information on that. That's just me kind of reading right. the tea leaves there. But, yeah, yeah, so a lot of people were paying attention to this Minnesota opening. Um, when it opened, I thought that Dawn Plitzewhite could be a candidate um, just because you look at her background, you look at where she's from. She's from, you know, that region of the country. Um, and yeah, I mean, in one season in West Virginia, her first power five gig, she took the team to the NCAA tournament um, and kind of reloaded that roster. You know, there was yeah. a lot of transfers in and out last summer. So I think that was a good mark on her resume as well. Um, I actually didn't really start to really seriously hear her name considered um, until that Friday, the day of um, okay. that West Virginia loss in the NCAA tournament to Arizona. And then a couple hours later is when I got confirmation that, yes, she is the top target and the offer was expected to be be made shortly. Um, so did yeah. you hear that there was interest, serious interest before tip off or after tip off of their game? Uh, not so after. Um, OK. Yeah. So right. I, I imagine that there was contact. Um, right. Obviously, now, you know, knowing what we know. Um, but, yeah, I didn't hear that she was. Basically, from what I heard from my sources, um, and this was a couple hours after the game ended, was that she was the top target and uh, an offer was expected to be made. Um, they hadn't agreed to terms yet, but that's what I was told. And um, Do you have any idea then why, and it almost maybe feels like some were trying to cover themselves, and she did admit that once Minnesota reached out and said they were interested, which I think everyone kind of agrees was right around the time of prior to the big 12 tournament, maybe during the big 12 tournament that that week or so is around what everyone agrees. She told them that she did have interest in them as well. I don't know if West Virginia was so aware of how interested she was in them. And if that was so mutual, but that she was also interested, but she wanted to worry about coaching her team, respect for the team and all of that. And that I think is the period when, Ren Baker tried to convince her to stay because they did admit that they did want to try to keep her. And then there might not have been conversation for a while. And then you get the game and then you get uh, the eventual news. But hours after the NCAA tournament, yeah, I saw your, your report. And then also many others trickle down and you even had it first, I believe that they were seriously interested and the offer was coming, but then all of a sudden, and you didn't do this, but there were others and like legitimate colleagues of ours in media that pulled back their report and said, we don't have now any way of confirming this. She's not going yet. We need to know more. Basically, we got to sit on this and kind of pulling back the reports. Why do you think that was? Why were people trying to cover themselves so late on, a, on I believe it was a Friday, and then eventually she does leave hmm. the next morning. But that you've got national writers that were pulling those reports back. Any idea why? Yeah, I think it was a situation where, um, as far as I know, like, you know, there were, you know, I hadn't, I didn't know about it up until that Friday. But, you know, okay. if you're in a position to make an offer on that Friday, 
um, which right. is what they did. You know, there had to have been serious conversations before that, probably a week before that. Had to, um, right. <laughs> right. I mean, know, right, maybe, right. Yeah, maybe, you know, there, there's some pulling back and some covering because a deal wasn't yet agreed to. But there was certainly that Friday evening an offer on the table. Um, I think it was, you know, the next day or the day after where she actually agreed to it. And we see her in pictures in Minnesota. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, it's just – yeah, people, you know, just trying to be careful in the reporting and stuff like that. But yeah, I tried to frame it in a way where as far as I knew, the situation on that Friday night was she was the top candidate and offer was on the table. They were just waiting for her to respond. And, you know, Minnesota tried to keep this, you know, very kind of tightly under wraps and, and tried to be careful with it because you were dealing with a team that was in the NCAA tournament. I mean, if yeah. West Virginia had gone on you know, this run and beat Arizona and beat Maryland, (laughs) you know, it might've been, you know, a week out or they might've just, you know, told them, no, I think, I think there was a situation, you know, when this job was open last, when Dawn took it last year, um, you know, where Joanna Burnaby McNamee, you know, she was in the WNIT with her Boston college team and, and went a little way. So um, I know she, she had some talks with West Virginia last year about it before Dawn accepted it. So, right. you know, yeah, it's just one of those things where, you know, there's a time delay and, and all that good stuff. Yeah, Mitchell Northam here joining us as we are talking the saga that has been the West Virginia women's basketball program, losing a coach and finding a new coach here in WV Sports now. Now, <clears throat> none of this matters as much now, but just because there's so much speculation rumors and I don't know if again, we're ever going to know the real truth on this. I believe my sources, but we're, you know, only a few people really are going to 100% know. And, and who was in the room? I know you were covering uh, the NCAA tournament, but I, I, you weren't in Maryland, correct? You weren't where West Virginia was. No, I was actually at a, uh, at Virginia tech and um, that's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was going to ask was... basically if you heard anything, cause I know you weren't there in person, but <laughs> since nobody can agree on anything here that even extends to there are some in the national media that said that Dawn told her team that she was leaving immediately following the loss and that they saw her crying and they heard the team discussing this through the door. There are others that are saying that that is completely not true in any capacity. And they're not even sure how that could have been reported outside of making it up. And I'm not accusing anybody of doing so, but I don't know how you get a scenario where it's so far from each other. Like you have people that are saying this happened. You have other people saying this didn't happen. There are those again, also telling me that she was not on the bus home when she was originally scheduled to be there. I know that coaches don't always ride with teams, but she was supposed to be there initially. She didn't give that fully as a confirmation or not, but did say that she talked with her coaches, talked with her family that night and then decided when she woke up Saturday morning and then called Wren. Ren Baker didn't really confirm any of that either. Have you heard anything to confirm either of these scenarios of when maybe she did tell the team how they maybe did find out? Because I also heard from a source that these players found out on Twitter and actually were tipped off from somebody who (laughs) would probably get in hot water if they actually tipped them off. I won't say who and where from, but it's really bizarre. Like my, I guess my main question here is if she heard from Minnesota initially before the big 12 tournament, West Virginia knew that she was talking to them. Then there probably was some conversation leading up to an offer that there would have to be. Why, how did this get so funky and, and why did it have to be so funky? And, you know, not to call someone a liar here, but is somebody lying? Like, how can we be so far from, from the truth of what happened? <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly didn't have to be this messy. Um, you know, it, it could have been handled a lot better. I think, um, you know, I think, you know, I, the only thing that I heard was that, yes, that or the players found out basically online, um, basically right. found out, you know, from Twitter. That's where they first heard it. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, I think sometimes, you know, I've been in a lot of locker rooms after an NCAA tournament loss. And those are very emotional places to begin with. Cause you have, you yeah. have a lot of players who are playing their last games. Um, right. So I think having that conversation, you know, I'm leaving you for a different job um, after an NCAA tournament game is a really hard conversation to have. Um, so I don't know if, I don't know if that happened. Um, you know, I'm not really privy to like 
when Dawn told the team or when she didn't right. tell the team or if she told them at all. Um, but I heard, you know, yes, that they found out on Twitter. And um, I think most of what I heard is in line with kind of what you heard, um, you know. Yeah, but, and I and I hate to say this happened, but it almost feels like that maybe there were some assumptions made. Because as you're alluding to, you lose a heartbreaking loss. You lose a tournament game. We've covered a bunch of tournaments. Really, it doesn't matter how much you lose by somebody's usually crying in there at sure. any level. And I don't know if somebody saw Don crying and maybe saw some players crying and they did, assumed that's what mm -hmm. they discussed or they know that's what was discussed. Because again, I've heard repeatedly that was not what was discussed. So I, and Ren did eventually then admit that Don, that Don and him had a meeting with the team the Saturday morning. So the next morning, and that is where West Virginia is saying that the team was informed by Don granted. Yes. There are others that are saying these players already knew this and were kind of in that meeting pretty much in their feelings. There also are even others that claim that any of the departing players who don't have any more eligibility remaining were not invited to this meeting. I don't, I mean, I, I, I don't know why that would be the case uh, sure. I mean, that that comes off kind of murky as well. And this again goes to like, I don't understand why this had to be handled so poorly. Um, so I don't, I, we're never going to really know. I do trust my sources. I'm sure you trust yours, but maybe there were some assumptions made that maybe that's how we got here. I think, I think so. I think there was a lot of, yeah. in the mess of all this, you know, it kind of leaking out that Friday night that, that she was a, you know, a top target for Minnesota. I think it just got really messy. Um, the way that these things usually go is, you know, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's an NCAA tournament loss. Everybody's sad from that in the locker room. There's a lot of crying. Right. Like I said, I've been in a lot of those locker rooms and those press conferences. And then, yeah, if, if the coach is departing, it's usually, like you said, kind of a second day thing. That Saturday morning, there's a team meeting, the AD's there whatever happens happens um right. that's usually how those things go in in um less messier circumstances yeah yeah i don't know for sure but i would like to believe that's sort of how it happened um even if the players found out firsthand on twitter yeah and and we are in a world where especially when you're dealing with college athletes that are anywhere from 18 to usually 23 give or take a, a grad player etc they're going to be on social media. Like you're on a three hour bus ride. You're probably on social media and you're going to be stumbling upon things. That's exactly when the reporting was happening on Twitter. So whether they were tipped off or not, or whether they heard in the locker room or not, maybe you're not fully paying attention because you're so in your feelings from losing that game. And then you see something on Twitter. It's a horrible way to find out negative news really in any walk of life. But there are times where maybe you can't stop it. Like maybe to give her the benefit of the doubt, she was trying to do what you said. Maybe she's not being fully truthful in when she committed to this job. I don't know. Maybe she knew mentally she was she wanted to be there because of geography or whatever the case may be. But she didn't want to tell her team until the next day because they just lost a game. But you can't stop them from being on Twitter. And the reports were already out there. And as journalists, if you have a legit source telling you something is happening you're not going to sit on it for 24 hours for the sure. coach to tell her players either like that's not yeah. our job to wait around for her to do that either so right. this could have been an unavoidable situation of being as bad as it was what i do want to ask you though because this then also became a debate and you mentioned minnesota being one of the premier jobs that was out there and, and you know if you look at the history of the minnesota program it's a relatively good one final four granted it's about 20 years ago now they've missed the tournament in recent years so recently it's not been a better program than west virginia certainly this past season in terms of historically i believe it's nine ncaa tournament appearances for minnesota west virginia 14 so close but west virginia does have more and there are some that thought to themselves okay i get geography but is the Minnesota really a better job than West Virginia? It's not like she's leaving the Mountaineers for Connecticut or mm. for Tennessee or for an elite program that maybe you're trying to resurrect, but you know if you get to a level, you then could really win a national championship. She had her Sweet 16 run with a mid-major. But what are your thoughts on the Minnesota program as a viable job and how that would compare to the West Virginia job in that whole debate? Because 
it's on face value. If you look at them, then yeah, the big 10, big 12, maybe there's more money in the big 10, but it's not, it's, it's not that much better of a position. You could argue a lateral move. There are some that historically could argue West Virginia has actually been a better program throughout the last 30 years. So why hmm. Minnesota in terms of an attractive job? Cause Dawn in her press conference with, with Minnesota did speak about how this is a place I can win big. Yes. Geography, but I felt like this was a job I couldn't turn down, all of those type of words. In comparison to West Virginia, is it, is it really that much of a better job? I think Minnesota is one of those places in women's college basketball. We talk about this in college football sometimes. Um, you know, kind of a, a sleeping giant. Um, okay. Minnesota, um, you know, they do have that one Final Four appearance. But, yeah, like you mentioned, you know, if you're looking at the past 10 years, pretty comparable. You can even make the case that West Virginia has had a better track record over the past decade. Sure. Um, the thing with Minnesota is it's it's very close to a lot of top talent. I was looking at some of the recruiting boards this morning. Um, so of the top 100 recruits um, from 2021, four were from Minnesota. 2022, five were from Minnesota. Next year, 2023, three are from Minnesota. Um, you talk about Paige Beckers is from Minnesota. Um, Alyssa Utsby, an all-ACC player at North Carolina, she's from Minnesota. So there's a lot of talent there, and Minnesota, the school, hasn't really quite yet found the right coach to kind of keep that talent home and insulated. Um, maybe Dawn thinks she's the person that can do that. Um, you know, I think the geography, certainly there is some truth to that. You know, she is from that area. Um, she coached at South Dakota for a long, long time, um, had a lot of success there in recruiting yeah. players from that region of the country. Um, and yeah, I think, I think the money is a different, uh, a difference, you know, she was being paid, I think about 550,000 per year at West Virginia. She's yeah. going to make about 800 K at Minnesota. Um, so there's, there's I mean, Ren a... did allude to that. They, <clears throat> that they did things to try to keep her and then geography was something that he couldn't change. Feels sure. to me that West Virginia was willing to pay her more and increase that dollar amount. I don't know exactly what that would have been. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it, it is an increase right now in salary, but I don't know if it's necessarily fair to just look at the 550 versus 800 because mm -hmm. the Mountaineers maybe were going to get there. I don't know. Yeah, it could have been a situation where that money was already on the table and she kind of already had a foot out the door before right. West Virginia maybe upped the ante a little bit. Um, but, yeah, so I, I think that's – those are kind of the things working in her favor. I think it's a mix of, you know, fertile recruiting grounds. She's from there. Yeah. Money and investment um, in women's basketball. I mean, I was in, you know, Minnesota, Minneapolis had the final four um, last year in 2022. And, you know, there was just a real like excitement there. And I'm not saying there's not that in West Virginia and Morgantown. Um, but, you know, it was just a place that just seemed to care a whole lot about women's basketball you know they have a WNBA team in Minneapolis um the yeah. links that do very well so I think yeah, I think all those things just kind of you know made it sort of the perfect storm yeah and you have to think of that too because even if historically there's similar programs with Virginia even having more NCAA tournament appearances and certainly more recently you know, media market wise, yeah, mm -hmm. West Virginia has Pittsburgh so close but you're still in Morgantown and Minnesota has a WNBA team right there, whereas not only not one in Morgantown, not one in Pittsburgh either. So it's not like you could even say that you're connected to a media market that has one, like maybe sure. for the other pro sides of the NFL, NBA, or the, the NFL, NHL, and Major League Baseball, and maybe the NBA with Cleveland. But in Minnesota, you have a WNBA team. You also have an NBA team. And yeah, there's the Big Ten money. Maybe the salary was also increased. You do have the recruiting base. Is it common for Minnesota to be such a thoroughbred area for women's basketball recruits, though? Is this something that is an anomaly? Or there's an expectation that there's always going to be players there and the Dons from the geography, if she chooses to actually stay at this place for a while, that she's going to have to probably prove to people that she will, that then she'll be able to continuously draw these girls in or will there be work to do outside of this three or four year period where the recruiting has boomed? Yeah. Um, I think Minnesota has <clears throat> kind of had a, you know, I, I don't remember exactly, um, you know, all, all the stuff from last year's final four, but there was a real like celebration of, of like women's basketball, like in Minnesota. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, I mentioned Lindsay Whalen who, 
was recently the team's, you know, coach, Paige Beckers. I think like they've sort of had a history, you know, it's it's real cold up in Minnesota. So they uh, they spend a lot of time indoors and and uh, playing a lot of basketball. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think it's it's a place that has probably over the past 10 years for sure produced quite right. a bit of, of talent in the sport. Yeah, and so you, you have the geography connection. You're closer to family. You have a recruiting base. If it's doing it for 10 years, there's no reason why I couldn't do it for the next 10 years. You have the money. Even if it was equal, you have a conference that's maybe churning more money, and you have the connection to professional sports, certainly NBA and WNBA there, which all of those things together could bump you over the Mountaineers, regardless of tournament appearances. And I do think this was handled really poorly, but I could understand the move for her. We're going to get to Mark Kellogg here in a moment against speaking with Mitchell Northam who writes for For the Win, the Associated Press, and of course helps us out, as he did with all of this, throughout the Sports Now family of networks, about the West Virginia women's program, the exit of Don Plitzewhite, and now Mark Kellogg taking over the program, which it sounds like he's going to be somebody that'll be there for many years to come, which I know Mountaineer fans would at least like hearing that, since you know it's hard to believe anything after losing a coach for one year. But you talked about Minnesota as a program and why maybe it is a better job than West Virginia right now, despite coming off of on face value as maybe a lateral move. What are your thoughts and what are the thoughts amongst your colleagues and those around the women's basketball game about the West Virginia Mountaineers women's program? Everybody knows the men's program in the history, but what about the women's program? Mike Carey there for 20 plus years. He built it up. He got him in the tournament repeatedly, but not really a deep run in the tournament. He had several Hall of Fame caliber players, but again, not a deep run in the tournament. West Virginia, I believe, Sweet 16, we're looking at early 90s, no no Final Four, no national championship, of course. These are things that Mark Kellogg's promising, but a lot of tournament appearances, almost no deep runs. Get in the tournament this past year. Maddie Smith is now gone, though. You're close to a media market, but you're not in it necessarily. And there's no pro sports in West Virginia. What 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 is the thinking of what the women's program is and the stability and the standing and stature of the women's program for West Virginia right now? I think you know its reputation over the past 20 years. You know the years that Mike Carey built it up and right. know, this past year past year with Don Plitzewhite. Um, you know it's it's a solid program. It's one that is going to be in contention to make the NCAA tournament every year. Um, it's a respected program. Um, I think where things are changing and where there's an opportunity now for West Virginia um, is in the transfer portal and, and right. NIL. Um, and there's an opportunity there to, you know, rebuild or build up something quickly um, and sort of change your fortunes. You know, there's also, you know, in the Big 12, there's kind of this changing landscape changing to the guard now you know for so many years when Mike Carey was on the job um you know this was a conference that was dominated by Baylor you know year in year out Kim Mulkey right. and Baylor they were winning the conference winning the title um you know Nikki Collin is a good coach the new coach at Baylor now but they fell off a little bit this year um you know Iowa State won the won the conference tournament I think Texas won the regular season title um you know Texas is about to leave for the SEC um, Iowa State just lost its three best players to graduation of the portal. Um, so there's an opportunity here for like West Virginia to really kind of stake its claim in this conference. Um, and I think Mark Kellogg can be the guy to do it. Um, and I think a lot of West Virginia fans, you know, can look down the road at Virginia Tech and see what Kenny Brooks has just built up there, you know, right. over the past um you know, I think Kenny Brooks was hired at West Virginia in 2016, 2018, somewhere in that ballpark. And it took a couple of seasons to build up to this. Um, but, you know, what really changed for Kenny Brooks is like, you know, you get one really good recruit in Elizabeth Kitley. Um, you know, you get one really good foreign player in Georgia Amore, and then you just sort of build around them. And the portal was really huge for Virginia Tech this year, too. Taylor Soul came from Boston College, Kayana Trailer from Purdue. You know, if you can get players to come to Virginia Tech, you can get players to come to Morgantown. Um, it's just about the investments and the resources and, um, you know, kind of making that effort to to really comb the portal for players that fit your system. Um, so, yeah, I think I think there's a huge opportunity here for West Virginia to really kind of stake its claim as as the as as the top team in the Big 12. Yeah, and that does feel like a, a door that is now open for the Mountaineers. And you get in the NCAA tournament 
off of a year that you really had to retool the roster. You had a new system coming in. Maddie Smith yeah. was still there and convincing her to stay maybe was big for that. But I don't know many that were predicting West Virginia to be a tournament team this past season. So to even get there is really an accomplishment, even though you didn't go anywhere in the tournament. Mm-hmm. It was a harder Big 12 at the time. So maybe that'll hurt you at large bid in the future if you are losing some programs. There might be an expectation because they were even kind of on the bubble with an early exit in the tournament. They're probably going to need deeper runs, but it might be easier to do so. It mm-hmm. might be easier to recruit. And, and again, Mark Kellogg also brings a resume of success as well that might entice uh, some women to to want to jump aboard. Mitchell Northam here joining me at WVSN as we've been covering the WVU women's basketball saga. And we're kind of closing that chapter right now with a new era for the women's basketball program, seventh head coach in its history in Mark Kellogg. Now you brought up that Mark Kellogg was a guy to watch for this job. And I know that Ren Baker had a connection to Mark Kellogg from a decade ago, having actually hired him before. Now, Ren talked a lot about how he was going to be combing and I'm not saying he didn't do this, but how he was going to be combing the nation looking at pretty much every assistant on a major job, every mid-major coach out there. Mark Kellogg does come from Stephen F. Austin in being a mid-major, looking all over the place to find that right person, whether it be a man and a woman, and we might get to that debate here in a moment as well. And he had a whole team with him. Lands on Mark Kellogg. And at face value, there are some that have said, okay, he just hired his friend that he's known for 10 years, and he admits that they're good friends, and he hired him 10 years ago. Others will look at the resume and say, okay, this makes sense. It's a good hire. But Mark hasn't had deep runs once he's got in, only a couple of NCAA tournaments. So at the mid-major level, a lot of winning, but not a lot of postseason winning, even though he did win a lot at, at, at the, the D2 level. What are your thoughts on the hiring of Mark Kellogg in terms of him taking over the West Virginia program? Is he a fit there? Does this make sense? Why do you think he's Ren's guy? Would there have been anybody else out there that maybe also could have made sense for this job that – you either heard or you think the Mountaineers looked at and then decided on Mark Kellogg. What led <laughs> West Virginia to bring in Mark Kellogg aboard? Yeah, I think it's a good hire. Um, you know, a lot of times ADs will go back to people they have worked with before at previous stops. I mean, we just saw a pit, Heather right. like, you know, hiring um, Tori Verity. They worked together at Eastern Michigan. Yep, Those relationships thing. always yep. kind of pop back up again when you're looking for for these type of, uh, you know, make these type of hires. Um, yeah. Ren Baker and, and Mark Kellogg worked together at, at Northwest Missouri state, I think. Um, and yeah, I think from the beginning, Kellogg was a guy to watch um, and he's been in the mix for some other jobs in the past. Um, he's a really, you know, has done a whole lot of winning at Stephen F. Austin. I think yeah. his record is 195 and 55, um, 78% winning percentage. Um, Stephen F. Austin is not an easy place to win. Um, and he's also done it in two different conferences. You know, they left the Southland to go to the WAC. Um, so, you know, they had two two seasons in a row where they went to the tournament. Um, and, yeah, you know, when you're Stephen F. Austin, most of the time when you get in, you're going to go up against, you know, a one, a two, or a three seed, and things just right. aren't going to go your right. way. Um, but, I mean, had – I'm looking at it here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven – Seven straight seasons of at least 23 wins at Stephen F. Austin is not an easy thing to do. Yeah, a couple conference titles, I believe, right? One conference tournament a few times, and you mentioned multiple tournaments he's had to deal with, multiple conferences he had to deal with. So that's postseason success, even though it's not the NCAA tournament. For sure. And I think, um, you know, I think hiring a guy like Kellogg, you know, sounds really enthusiastic about coming to West Virginia. I think he's somebody who is kind of hungry to to get a crack at a Power 5 job, um, kind of test his wits against some of the best. Um, so, yeah, and I think West Virginia this time around, as we we talked kind of previously off mic, um, they they sort of made some assurances to make sure that that he would stay long-term. And if he doesn't, you know, whoever whoever hires him away is going to have to pay a hefty buyout. Yeah, and Ren Baker did allude to that even before hiring Mark Kellogg and before that search really got underway that, yeah, they were admittedly going to make sure the program's not losing another coach. Because as we also talked about off the air, Mark Kellogg gets West Virginia back in the NCAA tournament after all this turmoil. He would become very attractive for other better jobs. But yes, I, I don't know the exact parameters of the deal or how Ren Baker figured that out. I know Ren well enough that if he says... I'm going to put a safeguard in. 
he's not going to just lose that battle. He probably <clears throat> wouldn't have hired Mark if he thought in any way Mark's looking to leave in a year because he sure. doesn't want to go through this again. So I'd imagine we'll eventually hear about some safeguards that are put in there. It could even be that a buyout is so ridiculous that it basically, unless you're Connecticut with that type of money on the women's program, you can't pay it. Mm. So at least for a year or two, it might uh, it might obviously soften as the years go by. And you always go to your personal connections and, you know, in any walk of life, the people that offer that criticism, I'm sure they'd be more likely to hire their friend to work for them in a company than somebody that they don't know. So I also know Ren Baker well enough that I don't think he would have hired Mark Kellogg just because they worked together and have stayed in touch 10 years ago. If he wasn't actually doing work, winning and had a resume that garnered this job making sense for him, which will segue into a candidate that I guess I can't call a candidate because it wasn't confirmed as a candidate, but the West Virginia fan base admittedly, wildly wanted Kim Stevens to be their next head coach for a myriad of reasons. I do think there's a contingent, which we'll get to in a moment, that would prefer a women's team coached by a woman. It wasn't for so many years under Mike Carey. It was under Don Plitzewhite. They maybe wanted to carry that on. They thought it would be somebody that would stay in West Virginia obviously Glenville stay in West Virginia. She young coach having success, deep runs, etc. Elite eight at that level. She'd want to be and stay in West Virginia and eventually taking the Marshall job. So she is in West Virginia and mentioned that there that she likes West Virginia. And then just the fact that it's somebody in West Virginia having tons of success. Although when this was brought up to Ren, because I, I actually was the one who asked this and I tried to ask in a way of, Hey, you know, there's a candidate out there that's brought up that I know a lot of fans want what are your thoughts on somebody in their experience level? Would you hire somebody from a D2 or lower level? And he just came right right and say, this is why I kind of enjoy covering Ren so much. You're talking about Kim Stevens. Like he probably shouldn't even have said that, but he just threw it out there. Like we don't need to beat around the bush. Sure. Um, and then gave his diplomatic answer afterwards, but never confirmed or denied that she actually was a candidate. And she ended up getting the Marshall job a week or so before West Virginia had this announcement. So it was in the middle of them still deciding and probably talking to Mark. What are your thoughts on Kim Stevens and her standing as a coach in the women's game right now coming from Glenville state feels like a high jump to West Virginia. Maybe Marshall makes more sense. Obviously a great coach. Did you think that ever made any sense? And would a coach jumping from Glenville state to a, major job like the Mountaineers make sense or would that have just been so off the wall that it just wasn't in play in all reality? What do you think the real situation was with Kim Stevens and then her as a coach? I, I think Kim Stevens is a good coach, but I think that, yeah, like you said, I think if you see a coach jump from the D2 level to the power five level, it would make a lot of people kind of, you know, just turn their heads and it's, whoa, what's going on there? Um, I think it would also, you know, you know, right or wrong. I mean, I, I think if you see a power five program <clears throat> hire a division two coach, right. It would give the impression that that program was not like serious about investing in women's college basketball. and Or they couldn't get a better one or they right. couldn't get a Mark Kellogg and they're falling on somebody, even though, even though she's from the state, they're, they're obviously, housed in yeah and i yeah and i'm not saying that's true but it would give right. off an impression certainly yeah um but i think I, I think kim stevens i think to marshall i think that's a much better and easier jump you know you go to the sun belt you go to a one big league or two big league um whatever the sun belt ends up being you know really the kind of the only power in that conference right now is james madison right um and i, I think that's an easier place to kind of get your feet wet and figure out how how it kind of everything kind of works in division one where the transfer portal is a little bit more rampant um, than it is in the division two game. Um, But yeah, I mean, certainly a great coach. You don't win that many games at Glenville state without being a good coach. Um, So I think it will translate. Um, I just think that going from D two to the big 12 is a bit too far of a gap without making one stop first. I, I, I think to say the least, and I know because I got this pushback. Well, what about Rich Rodriguez? What about Joe Mazzula now for modern day example? Let me put two to bed. Rich Rodriguez, yeah, Glenville State, but then had to be an assistant at Clemson at Tulane before getting the Mountaineers job. And right. maybe he got it earlier than he would have elsewhere because he's a West Virginia guy, but he still had to be at power places, major places, mid-major, and then a power team 
prior to the Mountaineers. And Joe Mazzola's story is just completely asinine and crazy. But at least, at least he was an assistant on the Celtics staff that went to the finals prior to then getting the job, in which he got from drama. He didn't just get promoted because they liked him. He got it oh, from sure, drama, yeah. even though he's doing a great job now. If there wasn't drama, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have this job currently. And then they decided on him while he's winning after having the job. But again, he at least was an assistant. So they wouldn't have been the same examples. I can't even think of another one. Do you have one off the top of your head, certainly in basketball, but even other sports where somebody would go directly as a head coach from a D2 level to a major level? And I'm talking about no assistant job or any cup of coffee yeah. in the middle there at uh, all. I'm sure I'm sure it has, it has happened, but not right. recently. Yeah, it's not um, common. Nothing yeah, jumps to mind, yeah. Right. So I, to just paint that picture, how rare and, and, and odd that would be, and I do contend that if she wasn't having that D2 success in West Virginia, those same people probably would not be thinking about her. Right. It's about the state connection and maybe that she would stay there long-term, but maybe Mark will as well do you see her as somebody though that if she has success at marshall a mid-major program that if things somehow don't work out with mark kellogg if he would choose to leave or if we're talking three or four years now and that mountaineer job is open again that now kim stevens could be a more viable candidate assuming success at marshall yeah i think if you look at yeah kind of three or four years down the road and like if Kellogg doesn't work out or Kellogg leaves for another job or something. Um, right. And you look down the road and Kim Stevens has, you know, won a Sunbelt title or something like that. Certainly I, I would, I would okay. consider um, her as, as a great option. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we've seen this in college football, right. Um, you know, the coach of Kansas um, whose name I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Um, but, you know, before he was at Buffalo, um, was great at Buffalo before Buffalo, I think, was at a lower division level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, division three, I think, you know, so you kind of build your way up to sort of these power five jobs. You don't go from D3, D2 to coaching the Big 12. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, you get three or four down the roads here, you know, three or four year down the road here. Um, I think, uh, yeah, Kim Stevens' name will, could certainly come up if she does well in Marshall, and, and she probably will. Yeah, I think it's right there in front of her to have to do well there. And maybe she'll want to be there forever. And maybe she wouldn't want to go to West Virginia. Who knows? Maybe West Virginia would maybe if Mark Kellogg builds them up and makes a sweet 16 run and then leaves for a better job, maybe West Virginia thinks, okay, now we're, we're, we're a little bigger in our britches and we're going to go elsewhere and throw some money in. So you don't yeah. know that. Yeah. And I know that a lot of West Virginia fans are going to say, well, it would suck if we never have Kim Stevens coach the team when she's such a young gun in the state who wants to be there. I hear you, but yeah, D2 to West Virginia, it just would have been really crazy. And mid-major to a major program, that happens all the time. I mean, you know, West yeah. Virginia fans don't like this example because it's not currently working out. But Neil Brown from Troy to West Virginia, that at the time made sense. That progression can make sense. Sure. It, uh, Glenville State to West Virginia right away with nothing in the middle or – D2 in any capacity to it's a, a big job. Yeah, that, that's just a big jump to say the very, very least. Mitchell Northam here joining me as we're talking the women's basketball program for the Mountaineers. And of course, Mark Kellogg, as we talked about throughout the show, he is now the head coach of West Virginia. You talked a little bit about what you think of Mark Kellogg and his career. What is in front of him with West Virginia right now? And how can he win? Quickly, what are the reasonable expectations for fans now going into the 2023 season because they or the 2024 season? They make a tournament this year, maybe higher than expectations. They get players to stay. It was one year in a new system with Don Plitzewhite. She leaves. Mark Howard brings a whole new system, a whole new voice. You're losing some players as well. You're going to have to recruit and add some. You're going to have to probably go to the portal. So can he win right away? What kind of journey will it be with him? What, what should expectations be now moving forward for West Virginia women's fans? And is it possible that he actually can live up to his in, introductory press conference? Because this man said some big things and throughout, I don't see why the West Virginia, not men's, again, led by Bob Huggins and Ben DeFano Fours, et cetera, but the women's program can't get to a Final Four, if not winning national championship, there have been examples of programs that you never would think would win a national championship, certainly on the women's side, that have, have done it. LSU, right now, they hadn't done it before. They do it now. It could take getting one player, but 
Are those reasonable words coming from the head coach of the Mountaineers? And what kind of expectations should fans have on the women's side of how long of a journey that might be to get there? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think the expectation in year one is going to be at least to go back to the NCAA tournament, just considering, you know, Mike Carey had that team consistently there. Dawn does it in year one, and they're, the fans are going to say, why can't Mark Kellogg do it in year one? And he just talked yeah. a big game at the press conference. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the <laughs> yeah, good thing for him is he has, you know, it, as of now, you know, things can always change with the portal. But as of now, he's got three of five, um, three of his five top scorers coming back in J.J. Quinterly, um, Kyle Watson, and uh, Kylie Blackstein coming back. So, you know, that's that's a good core. Um, and then, like I mentioned earlier, with the transfer portal these days, you can build things pretty quickly. Um, you know, I haven't looked at his Stephen F. Austin roster, but a lot of times we've seen when mid-major coaches make these big jumps to the Power 5 level, they'll bring along some of those yeah. good players from that past school with them. Um, you know, I cover a lot of ACC hoops, and we just saw it this year when Felicia Leggett-Jack went from Buffalo to Syracuse. She brought four players with her. Um, and one of those ended up, Diasia Fair, ended up leading the ACC in scoring. Um, so there might be a diamond in the rough at, at Stephen F. Austin that he brings along with him um, right. that ends up kind of breaking out and having a great season at West Virginia. Um, but, yeah, you know, like I mentioned, the transfer portal, you can do things pretty quickly um, if you get the right pieces in there. Um, and like I said before, if if it can be done at Virginia Tech with the right investment and the right pieces and the right coaching, I don't see why it can't be done at West Virginia. Um, you know, yeah. Mr. Kellogg talked a big game, so we'll, we'll see. Yeah, you, you talk a big game, you got to back it up. But this isn't the same era of the women's game that I think fans are still having almost PTSD from, from the 90s to the early to mid-2000s, where it was really Tennessee and UConn and occasionally Notre Dame. They're just clipping off Final Four appearances, yeah. clipping off mm -hmm. national titles. If you weren't going to Connecticut, you really didn't have a shot. Maybe Tennessee, but then it really became Connecticut. All the best players would go to those schools, and that would be it. In the last five years, there's been tons of parity. There's been a lot of different schools that have advanced far. South Carolina now, your LSU, Iowa having the best player in the country. Uh, these aren't programs that 10 years ago you would have expected to be in Final Fours or vying for national titles or players of the years. So right. now they're doing it. You mentioned Virginia Tech, which is a perfect example because that's geographically close. It's a similar program. They already have kind of a quasi-rivalry. It can happen. And it's also needing to be said that if Mark Kellogg would bring his players from Stephen F. Austin – that may turn some fans off right away by saying, why are we building a, a mid-major team when we were a power five team who was just in the NCAA tournament? But as you alluded to, there could be diamonds in the rough there that he wouldn't bring them if he didn't think they were West Virginia level players. He's not just right. going to do You're, it. Yeah. Right. You're not going to bring your whole team. It's going to be, you know, one or two, it's, right. You know, who he thinks can play at this level. Right. Um, he's not going to bring somebody just to kind of bring them along. So no. Yeah. Cause as you mentioned, there's a little bit of pressure there. I mean, it might not be fair and he threw some big words out there, but yeah, fans are going to say, okay, I at least got a history of the tournament with, with my carry. And then I obviously got this one appearance with Don Plitzewhite. You should at least give me that. I mean, certainly yeah, I, year I two. That's, that's definitely yeah. going to be the expectation for them to at least appear in the NCAA tournament next year. Um, yeah. Just yeah, based and, on the history yeah. of the program, who's coming back and kind of what, what he said there. Um, and like you mentioned, there's, there's a lot more parody in the women's game. Now, I think this year was the first time since 2017 or since 2011, maybe um, that, that no number one seed played for yeah. the national title. Um, yeah. We haven't had a repeat champion since UConn ripped off four in a row um, with Brianna Stewart, you know, eight years ago. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot more parody in, in this game now, you know, UConn didn't even make, Make the yeah. Elite Eight this year. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, they might eventually resurrect themselves. Sure, yeah. But, but th there is a window now, and regardless of them, there's a lot more parity. This can be done, especially with NIL. Yeah. And it does also show, I think you hit on this too, that, yeah, let's face it, the football program and the men's program, when you're at West Virginia, they, they're more important to click in terms of the overall athletic program. They got to make sure they're stable first and – that's absolutely Ren's priority. He's admitted that. But to bring a guy in like Mark Kellogg and to 
be willing to pay what he paid, be willing to do what he did, be willing to maybe have paid more to keep Don Plitzewhite, even though she wanted to go somewhere else for geography, all of those, and Ren being such a money guy. He certainly he certainly put an effort in for this women's program here, and he's doing it financially. And they do have the, the benefit of being able to be, be sharing facilities and sharing an arena in a way that doesn't cost them more money for the program mm -hmm. because they're doing it with an historic men's program. So if the men, if they put money into the men, it's indirectly going to help the women because of facility and arena and things like that. And, and, and obviously the Coliseum being what it is. For sure. So, yeah, so all of that is very, very true. And just last thing here, because this was brought up during this drama and it kind of went under the radar because I don't think it was really a possibility, but former coach Mike Carey that we talked about throughout here, because he did build up this women's program to be what it is, that it could be an attractive job, whether it be to Don Plitzewhite or now being Mark Kellogg. You know, you have to give credit. Don <laughs> wanted the job at one point, even though she left it. And it's because of what Mike Carey did. He did build it up to a perennial tournament team in multiple conferences, despite not that many deep runs. And he then once he then put it out there that he wanted the job back. So he left retired, but it feels like he didn't really want to retire off of maybe some disagreements with former AD Shane Lyons. He mentioned that now with a new athletic director in charge, he wanted this job back. Ren was asked about it and kind of just said, I'm willing to talk to him as a guy who had the job, who had success, but I'm not going to say he's a candidate right now. For my money, I don't think he ever really was a candidate. I think Ren wanted to put his own stamp on this and hire his own guy. Mike Carey is very much a West Virginia guy, but certainly has a resume that is a quality one in terms of being a head coach of the women's game. He wants to coach. He didn't get the West Virginia job. Is there a possibility that Mike Carey can get himself back into coaching? Yeah, certainly. I think Mike Carey is a respected coach. Um, and if he really wants to coach, he would obviously have to leave the state of West Virginia at this point. There's only two divisional right. jobs in that state and pitch is filled its opening. So he's going to have to expand out a little bit and probably move. Um, but I think if he wants, if he legitimately wants to coach division one women's college basketball again, I think somebody would hire him. It's just, a do matter you think of, he's a D one viable candidate or mid majors would maybe think of him first? Like, do you think he's a D one coach that if another job is open next year and he says, I will move, he will get calls for D one. I don't know if he I don't know if I'm a power if I'm a power five AD if I would hire him because he wouldn't be right um like a he probably wouldn't be a, a long-term solution, right? I think he's 64 years old, which yeah. is not, you know, that's that's not a you know an expiration date in coaching. We have coaches <laughs> that are that are certainly older than that. I think NC State's Westmore is the same age and and he's you know churning along at you know pretty well. So um yeah, I don't know if, if I'm a power five head coach if I were, or if I'm a power five AD that I would hire him. But like if I'm, okay. um, for example, like Georgetown is open right now, the women's job. Okay. Um, like that might not be a bad fit. Like that's a situation where like they haven't it's not been too far of a move either. Yeah. They they haven't been relevant in women's basketball for a long time. I think Mike Carey would get you to the point where you are relevant and you're you know, contending to for to make an NCAA tournament and you're not getting blown out in Big East play all the time and and that sort of thing. So like I think that's the type of job that that makes a little bit of sense. Um but yeah I don't know if I'm yeah if I'm I, I just think him coming back to West Virginia would have been would have been a mistake. I think I think Ren, like you mentioned, wanted to put his own stamp on things. I think you want to move the program forward. I think rehiring Kerry would have been right. moving backwards. Um, despite, you know, as good as he was in, in building the program up, I think, I think it was his time, you know, to kind of go and, and hand the program off to someone else. But yeah, I, th I think he's, he's respected, you know, in, in coaching circles. And if he really wants a job, um, I'm sure there's one out there for him. Yeah. It, he's obviously has a good resume and there's reason for him to be respected it does almost feel like, though, that him sitting out for a year has kind of had him leave the consciousness of the women's basketball community a little bit. And it might mm -hmm. not be fair or unfair, but I don't know if he's brought up immediately top of mind. Certainly probably not for power jobs, maybe for other D1 jobs. Georgetown wouldn't be that far of a move, and maybe he would be interested in that challenge. I also don't know, even though he said he just wants to coach again, if he wants to coach again or if he really just wanted the West Virginia job back. 
I don't know. Uh, yeah, I that's think the question. Was, does he want yeah. to coach in general, or does he just want to coach at West Virginia? Right, right. I, 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 yeah, and he said he wanted to coach. He has that itch again, but it was in an interview about wanting the West Virginia job. So sure. I would need that cleared up. I'm not going to speak for him. And it does sound like maybe he didn't really want to retire when he when he did. So maybe that's a lesson that if you don't really want to do something, you might be better off uh, saying no and then and letting them make a call because it shows that at least you're still interested. But I don't know. I guess coaching eighth grade girls isn't really getting it done for him. He is still relatively young, but he maybe has some more time to to do it. And, and maybe he wants to coach until he's 70. Who, don't, who knows? But he's respected by the program. I didn't think it was going to happen. No. And I do think it would have been a wrong move. Because it would just been too easy. You could almost always hire Mike Carey. And it was very odd to see a was, former coach go out there on t- and it, not a, a TV interview. Like this, there's no way we can misconstrue this. It wasn't a radio hit here. He was on TV. You could see his face. He clearly wanted the job back. That was he really put that out on front street, and that was a bit odd to see, but he didn't get it. So if he does want to coach again, I imagine that he can, he, he, him and an aging and both feelers out there and somebody will bite, but maybe it was just the allure of, of getting back to West Virginia. Yeah. We'll I was pretty surprised to see yeah, him, him do that, like publicly campaign. To right. Sort of- yep. That's what it was. I mean, I yeah, I mean, yeah. it was a public, it was a public campaign. That's really what it was. He, he, he pretty much was going on a media car wash to make it known. I want this job. Mm-hmm. So And it's also interesting to have that and then have the AD, despite no relationship with you, not really even confirm that you're even possible as a candidate. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, once you hear that, I mean, you just, the the tea leaves were there. That's just it for West Virginia. He's in the West Virginia Hall of Fame for the state. We'll see about WVU. But, you know, he he built it up to what it is, but it's now up to Mark, Mark Kellogg to take it to... Some levels that he's putting out there that if he gets there, then maybe Don Plitzel might have regret leaving because she'll be jealous of the heights that West Virginia gets to if it actually gets to where Mark says it's going to be. Mitch, I definitely appreciate the time. This has been a a wild ride, and I think we both can agree it it just it just didn't have to be this way. There's just so <laughs> many things in, in our world that you just sit yeah. there and they just unravel and you're thinking to yourself, it didn't have to be this way. But this didn't have to be this way. Certainly. It just didn't have to be this way. But nonetheless, it was. <laughs> so, so I will digress. It, it was this way. And Don Plitzwhite is now in Minnesota. Mark Kellogg is now in West Virginia. Mike Carey is still in West Virginia living, but I'm not currently coaching anywhere. And Ren Baker is coming <laughs> along as athletic director of the Mountaineers. But Mitchell Northam, I definitely appreciate the time, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Again, Mitchell Northam here. He does some work for us throughout the sports now family of networks he also writes for for the win and the associated press and there's not many people that are more tapped in on the women's side of things than mitch as well so i definitely appreciated being able to speak to him and he was the first on this story in terms of the interest from minnesota don's taking the job he didn't pull back like some others pulled back and we kind of are on the same page and what sorts are telling us about when these players found out when Don told the team how murky this freaking was, how it didn't need to be this way. And again, he also brought up Mark Kellogg as a viable candidate and Mark gets the job. So tip of the cap and some more kudos there to Mitchell Northam. And I'm also very jealous of the biggie picture behind him. Maybe even the hat as well. It's pretty cool. Black Bears hats is pretty cool there. But again, Mitchell Northam here. Appreciate the time. You can find everything we do here at WV Sports Now, of course. Subscribe to this YouTube channel and also WVSportsNow.com for the site for all of our coverage of the Mountaineers. You also can find me throughout the Sports Now Family Networks and with the Believe Network throughout our platforms and my show, which can be made available like this through video. You get to see the biggie picture, but also through audio if you prefer. Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, etc. So the soap opera that has been the West Virginia Mountaineers women's basketball program over the last month or so. It's now finally come to an end, and it feels like the sky could be the limit. It feels like greener pastures are in front. It feels like West Virginia got their guy that makes some sense, and I don't think gender should matter at all, even though obviously some fans prefer maybe a woman to coach a women's team. I didn't dive into it fully with Mitch as I want to get out of here, but it shouldn't matter. Obviously, one of the better coaches in the history of the women's game, Gina Oriema, 
a man. Mike Carey, we talked about boot up the West Virginia women's program prior to Don Plitz White, a man. You know, it shouldn't matter the gender. You want the best coach for the job. And I don't think these girls care at all the gender of their coach, as long as it's somebody that wants to be there, that they feel they can win with and can coach them right. And nothing against Don Plitz White. She was a solid coach. She is a solid coach. It didn't fit. She wanted better geography. I think she handled it poorly, though. Mark Kellogg seems like a nice guy, has a great resume. Maybe this job makes some sense for him now as a connection with Wren. He wants to be there for a while. He's throwing some big words out there, and I think he can be the right fit now for the Mountaineers like Mike Carey was for 20-plus years before. Doesn't matter the gender as long as you have the right fit, and I do think the West Virginia Mountaineers now have the right fit in Mark Kellogg. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.